Hola, gracias. This is your host, Joar Blake, as you well know. Uh, this is our 90th episode. I know, right? We're so old. We're so old. I'm waiting for that check, actually. It's going to be super sweet. Where I can buy all my, um, let me see, what is it? Geritol and so on and so forth. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun. I have a very special episode for you today because this is our season finale of season two, actually. So after this, I'm going to take a break. And I mean, for my Patreons, I'll still be doing a little, little things back and forth. But for you fine folk, uh, my galeras, I am going to build up a new plan and do some cool stuff. So I hope to see you after this great episode. But uh, this one's going to be really cool. I got my buddy Tina here, and we're going to do a very special uh, Q&A episode, actually. So for all those who have never asked for this, this is for you. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. So I want you guys to meet my very best buddy, uh, Tina. She is super cool. She is a, a master in video editing. She's hilarious. Um, <laughs> she deals with, uh, much like the rest of us, she deals with stupid people all the time. And so uh, she traverses the world in a unique way. And yeah, uh, say hello. Oh, hey. Hey, listeners. Podcast file people. Yes. <laughs> painter, painter file podcast. Yes. Listeners like myself. The weird galeras as they are, yes. Uh, members of the murder, though. That's true. We are members of the murder. There, all right. There's something we can talk about. Okay. <laughs> so the murder is this ridiculous thing that Tina and I came up with a couple years ago, which is uh, we both like to collect jars and then just have them for no reason whatsoever <laughs> because they're things to put stuff into. I have a ridiculous amount of jars in my own studio that I use for paint jars, to hold brushes, to simply look at, to do weird things like uh, put... Uh, pins and so on for those random sewing projects that I, I do for patches that I never really follow through on. But <laughs> for all of those all of those amazing quandaries. So that that is that is the murder. The murder is uh, it's a it's a reference to uh, many types of many many groups of crows makes up a murder. I know most of you know this, but some of you are children and you don't know things yet. And I'm here to help you traverse through uh, your uh, your knowledge block. So that's how we work. Anything you want to add, Dan? Uh, it was also an affinity for shiny things as oh, well. Yeah, I do like buttons. I don't know why. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I have no use for them. Well, I put my buttons in my jars. Mm. And they stay there because I don't sew. I steal my buttons back from my cats and then put them in jars, and then I don't sew. Yeah. It's the same trip, it's just a little longer. <laughs> eh? I think I'll start with some of the easier questions. Um, what type of music or artist do you find yourself listening to the most while you're painting? Um, as the years have gone by, I guess it's changed. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of sad girl music from the 90s, so there's the Fiona Apples of the world and stuff like that. But as the years have gone by now, I think I'm more, I've gone back to more like kind of like uh, trumpet music, so like a lot of like 
John Coltrane and like Miles Davis and you know the uh, ever-present jazz inspiration Two Chains. So like, <laughs> classic, stuff, classic, classic. You know, birthday is a classic Jews, uh, classic, uh, classic jazz sound. Um, no, mostly, um, yeah, just like a lot of a lot of jazz, honestly, a lot of jazz, a lot of. Uh, I tried funk for a while, but it just didn't fit the kind of groove that I was going for with the paintings. So I guess it kind of it really depends on how the paintings are, are what the what the topic, what the subject's going to be. Because like if I'm doing something where I'm I'm looking into it and it's going to be something sad, and if the topic's like really serious and sad, then sometimes the music will change depending upon it. Uh, it'll be like an Ella Fitzgerald or something of that nature. It's really just kind of dependent on, you know, the mood, to be completely honest. So it changes according to what you envision the the painting to be. Like, it sets the, yeah. the, the thought, sets the mood for the painting, and then you have the music follow. Well, the way I build paintings a lot of times is I'll think of, like, the whole painting completed in my head, and then I work backwards. Okay. So, sometimes it's a podcast, sometimes it's the news sometimes it's an audio book mostly jazz though when you're listening to an audio book do do you actually listen to it or do you no, tune it out yeah <laughs> no I've, I've not listened to countless books it's amazing i'm i'm i've uh, i've sleep learned quite quite a, quite a few novels throughout the years by not paying attention to them whatsoever okay yeah, I have a similar experience with audiobooks. I'll put it on in the background when I'm doing something, and then I realize 20 minutes has gone by and I have no idea what was hours said. Hours upon hours. Yeah. Upon I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what this. Oh, I'm listening to Great Gatsby. How did I get to the Great Gatsby? <laughs> All right. So keeping with the music, uh, you say in episode 60 that Lynn tells you not to use copyrighted music, and you say that you've produced your own music, and that you're proud of that. How did you do that? I found like this app that let me kind of make like weird, originally I was using like a garage band and then I got hit with a copyright strike <laughs> immediately and I was like, I literally put this together with my own stuff. I put, literally put this together with like all the synthesizers and stuff they had and I was like, I mean the whole point of having that is that you should be able to just like make some random thing and be like, okay, well this is all, nobody's allowed to copyright that. Because it's just for everyone. But apparently, people have copyrighted it. So I then found a bunch of different music uh, apps. And I just kind of played with them for a while. And I've got I've got a few that I've used throughout the years. I mean, there's definitely not a lot of them. There's probably like two that I really go back to. Um, they're both very random. Um, <laughs> the one's like a super lo-fi one I came up with that's like probably two minutes. And then the other one is like a... It's just kind of like a weird synthesized beat that kind of plays in the background on really rare occasions for like, uh, for like little, little parts I'll do with a podcast. So you'll, you'll hear it. And it's just, it's very different, but it, it kind of works. It works in the setting in which it goes. So, and then there's a you know, horrible harmonica music that I've used on random occasions. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. So your podcast is clearly nonlinear and recorded over several different parts. Has there ever been a part where you've thought, I want to use this music over this segment, and then you kind of lean into the next segment because you want to transition with that music? Or is it just completely separate? I mean, I'd like to lie and say yes, but... (laughs) No lying here! No, not really. No, I mean, I've thought about it, and I've definitely had the plan of doing that, but then I've just not followed through with it. My favorite is when somebody will ask me, they're like, hey, what, what's that music on? What's the music in the background for um, minute uh, 12 of the podcast? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, Do you I, go back and listen to your... On rare occasions, I try not to really listen to it too often. I feel there's a, dope, there's a joke that Donald Glover made about he was in the car with his friend and he was listening to his music. He just put out a track, and he was listening to it, and he was like, oh, this is really cool. And his friend looks at him and goes, you listen to your own music? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that always hits me, and he, he makes a joke about, he's like, are, are people who make sandwiches for a living not allowed to go home and make sandwiches? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it conceded much, and you're just like, no, I'm hungry. I just want to eat, you know? <laughs> so there are occasions when I do it. Uh, I play this game. Which I've had to stop doing because it pisses Alec off so much. Where I'll play the podcast and I'll try and have a conversation with her while the podcast is playing. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> and she, game! And she's, she hates it so much. She's like, you're like, it like confuses my brain so much. Because there's you on the podcast who's like, yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about this story, about this life. And I was at this time in my life and I'm doing these things the whole time. I'm going, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's just... I don't get everything that's going on right now. I'm just trying to finish. She's like, she's like, this is horrible. You're, you're breaking my brain right now. It's like, uh, there's so few occasions when I get to really. Do. If I'm by myself, on occasion, um, I'll listen to it. Uh, I'll listen to segments a lot of times if I record something um, just before it goes out. I might listen to it. Um, yeah, but typically no, I don't. I don't find myself listening to the podcast that that much. I've kind of lived it, so yeah. it doesn't okay. quite have the thing. But it is funny that somebody asked me a question about it, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Uh, let's see. Oh, this kind of goes with what we're doing now. So you say in episode 60 that your mom talks about the only real way to reach people is to reach them. And have you ever done a live podcast Q&A or thought about doing a live podcast I, I Q&A? I have not, and none of you will ever get that, and that is my punishment <laughs> to So This is the closest I'm going to get? This is the closest any of you will ever get to that. I am honored. Because I don't want to, so that's my genuinely, I don't want to, I don't want to. Do you find that at your shows, though? People will do that with you? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because I do the art shows. So the art shows are kind of a similar version, where, like, people ask me a bunch of questions, and I just lie to them, because they're they're not (laughs) willing to... Lynn gets on me about this. She goes, you you just need to, like, tell people and let them know that, like, you know, these are the things, and this is how, you know, just give have come up with, like, a, a legit reason for why you did something. But, like, you don't have to, like, make up something. And I was like, they don't want to hear, like, real answers, though. They don't want to hear, you know, 
I did this because I thought it would work really well, or I did this because I was in like a really dark place for for like six months, and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm super pissed off about this. And I started doing this, and then it evolved into something else. Like the guy, I've seen their eyes. Like you, you think they wouldn't. You think they want like the genuine answer, but like you see their eyes, and you see them start to glaze over, and you're like. <laughs> And then there was an explosion, and they're like, oh, what? An explosion? And you're like, yeah, right, fine, I'll just lie to you, it's fine. How do you feel about taking the route of putting the question back on them? Like, well, what did you think? Because I know a lot of, there are a lot of people that do that, and I'm not sure I buy into that either. Is it bad that I don't care how they feel about <laughs> it? I don't, I've, I don't know, I've dealt with so many people that were just so negative as the years have gone by. Like, yeah. I've had, like... I've had like really art, really good art shows where I've had super negative people just come up to me and give me like the shittiest commentary. Um, that's right, mom. I still cuss on this. <laughs> she totally doesn't listen to this, but it's it's fun to pretend like she does. Um, yeah, no, I've I just had people come up to me and say. I think the one that reminds me the that hits me the most was. I was in Tacoma Park, I was doing an arts, a uh, Earth Day festival, and they wanted me to do an art show. So it was like me and a couple of artists were there, and this random guy who looks like Zach Braff, not Zach Braff, Zach Galifianakis, oh, the comedian. That is a huge difference. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that is a bit of a change. Um, he looked like him if he'd been stung in the face by bees. That's pretty much oh. the best way I could describe it. And, uh, and, and he, but he ignores the, he ignores that he's allergic and he just keeps doing whatever he's doing. Like that type of look. Um, so he's got like a big, he's got like the super receding hairline, but his forehead's like super big. So he's got kind of a, what's the word? Um, he's got kind of a hydrocephalus going. Hydro. Hydrocephalus? <laughs> hydrocephalus. What? Like when a kid, when babies have like water on the brain type of thing. He's got that and he looks at me and he goes, oh man, this is, you know, it's interesting that you like do this because like, you know, I teach, I used to teach uh, kids on the spectrum and you know, they kind of painted like this. And I just looked at him and I was like, motherfucker, what is oh. that? Who, what, what kind of, I was like, Mm-mm. I know this is an insult. If you don't Mm-mm. think I don't know that this is an insult. Mm-mm. So now I just kind of, when people say stuff now, like typically I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. And if they ask like a question, I'll give them like a quick answer and I just move on to somebody else. I'm just like, we're not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm, I've come to the point in my life now where I'm like, I'll smack somebody. So I'm just like, oh, I gotta, get, I gotta walk away. I gotta walk away. I know my limitations at this point. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a long answer. It's a long answer. Oh, man. Yeah. I swear, it's, I don't think hydrocephalus is a word, but oh well. I mean, we can look it up. Write it down, kids. <laughs> write it down. That's your homework assignment for yes. this week. I know some of you are going to write comments about this. It's <laughs> not what that is. And I'll be like, I know, I know. Well, you often give um, homework to your listeners. I started doing it because I read it in a, I read it in a, in a business book where they were saying... Um, the best way to engage your your audience is to ask them questions and go, hey, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? And honestly, I kind of like doing it with them. It's, it's fun. Like, mm-hmm. I love seeing people give me suggestions on stuff they really like to see me do. Uh, I do ignore some of them. I'm not going to lie. Like, some of those, some of the, some of the suggestions, not good. So I'm just not going to do those. But, um, but there are other ones where, like, I'll, I'll definitely do them. Or I'm too busy. Sometimes I'm just too busy to do them. 
and the time passes and I'm just like, yeah, we're not going back to that. Um, but most of the time it's just fun. It's fun interacting with people. It's because, you know, typically it's just me. Like, I don't, I don't know this touches or affects people at all. You know, I can look at the analytics and go like, oh, okay, 20 people listened to it this week. That's really cool. But for the most part, I mean, you know, you're, you're yelling into the void. So, you know, I don't really know. I'm not a, I'm not a big podcast, so, you know, it could be, if, if I didn't know, if I didn't know all the different areas that people were listening to it on, it could literally be one person I wouldn't, you know. So, it's kind of funny. Okay. Analytics are super particular, though, so I know everything. Yeah. I mean, they're helpful, though. Yeah. Depending. If people fill out the actual paperwork for it, then yeah. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, people don't fill out anything. It's like, yeah, I want to listen to it. Yes. And then they they click a button. And so, you know, you don't really get any real information to go off of it. Like, maybe it says they're a man or a woman. Maybe it'll say where their geo spot is in the world. But you don't really get any other information than that from a lot of this stuff. So, here's what it is. One homework assignment you gave was watching Willow. And you said you would come back and talk about it. And I would just like to say, you never did. Never did. Because nobody ever said anything to me about it. I was like, watch Willow. You've, Mad Mardigan is great. <laughs> and they were just like, people were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I guess that's not going to happen. So, oh well. Do you get people that come back and actually have done the homework, though? Because, like, I grew up watching Willow, so that, was, that wasn't a homework assignment for me. On occasion. There are random occasions where I get a lot of, like, people are like, you should really watch this fucked up Korean movie. And I'm like, <laughs> 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 I'm not going to do it. Not gonna do that. Um, but no, on rare occasions we'll go back and forth. It's kind of fun actually when people when people interact. It's it's really it's really fun to have like a twenty a twenty point discussion with people back and forth about like something just fun and silly. That's you know a topic on the podcast or in a video that isn't really related to anything. It's just. Like, Willow was, like, Willow was my favorite movie as a kid. That and Legend um, were my favorite movies as a kid, but they also scared me. Yeah. <laughs> Significantly scared me. Those, those wolf. Rightfully so. Those weird wolf. Uh, oh, yeah. Wolf, mm-hmm. like, boar, mm-hmm. dog thing they had yep. gave me nightmares. Yep. Um, I specifically remember them giving me nightmares. And then for Legend, I mean, he's the fucking devil, so... Yeah. He's a jacked-up devil at that, so Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, Tim Curry's voice always, oh, always carries that power. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, then to see Rocky Horror later and be like, wait, it's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. The devil's a sexy man. Did you ever see The Worst Witch? Yes. Because he was the headmaster in that, I too. I remember that, barely. No. I barely remember that. That yeah, was um, Feruza Balk's first film. Oh, yeah. She was the, the head girl, the head witch, the bad witch. Not enough credit for Feruza Balk, honestly. Feruza Balk should have been, you know, I can't think of anyone but Anne Hathaway, but not Anne Hathaway. But someone, 
you know, she should have she should have held more standard there. Faruza Bulk was like the first Suicide Girl. That's that's the best way I could think to describe it. It's perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she was that she was like that grungy girl who was kind of who would probably kick your ass, but you were really into it. <laughs> you know, like, you know what? I will see that. I will see that. Yeah. That's perfect for her. Absolutely. Hmm. I have to remember to ask another question of my listeners that I will not answer later. What is that? (laughs) All right. Is there any one factor that you wish you were more in creative control of when it comes to making your podcast? Like a limitation that might be put on you via the platform? That's a good question. Um... I wish there was a way to control how things got to be on like front pages and stuff like that. Like there was a like there was a way to bracket it in a way so that like an artist podcast would have like a lineup specifically for artist podcasts. And there were like ways you could do to to effectively become higher on that list of artists. For the art for artist podcast but for for the most part it's, it's kind of like it's like instagram it's like all these other things it's like youtube it's like instagram it's like all this stuff like they don't really there is a need for them but there is not a section for them you know like it's there is no painter category there is no art category there's there's specific things that are typically taken up by like studios or galleries, you know, like the Met probably has a podcast that no one's listened to that somehow has like super high ratings. I don't know how this happens, but it's probably it's probably the case. Uh, very few people have probably ever been to the Met, <laughs> but somehow you know they've got this. They've only got six episodes they put out in like '98. Somehow they recorded on microfilm and now they're playing them on there. And they've managed to do really, really well. But, you know, Frida Kahlo's great niece might have a podcast in Spanish that nobody's ever going to hear because there's no way to spotlight it. There's no way to put it up there. Like, it would be interesting. I always thought the weirdest thing uh, was that you could be on all these different platforms and they could be, they'll do all these little things to like promote different types of artists during, uh, it'll be like art, well, it'll be like places where they make shirts or threadless or something like that. But they won't do anything specifically to promote like people like you. So it won't be like DC artists, it, it won't be like. You'll never see, like, a Harlem Renaissance type of uh, theme of, like, Afro-Latino or Black or Latino artists or anything of that nature that, that, like, gets spotlighted even during, like, Black History Month or Latin American Month or anything of that nature. And, like, that's always kind of frustrated me because, like, they'll do, like, a top 100, but it's the most random fucking top 100 you've ever seen. It'll be... And half of them will be... It'll be people who are already famous anyways. And it's just kind of annoying that those are the people they promote because, like, they don't need it. Yeah. It's just, it's very weird to see, like, 
to see like Joe Rogan gets promoted and you're like Joe Rogan doesn't fucking need promotion Joe Rogan's uh, you know I think Joe Rogan's an asshole but <laughs> on Joe, record on record <laughs> I'll fight you Joe Rogan I'll fight you any day um no I just it's weird to me to see how they promote certain things and you don't have any control over it like there's no it's like calling a call center that's connected to a robot that gives you like or an email center and we're just like oh this program doesn't work let me just write adobe real quick and adobe puts you in like a little box where like a computer does it and they're like how can i help you did any of these suggestions help and you're like no no it's not no because you don't think about these things Hmm. okay yeah they could definitely do i successfully didn't answer your question yes uh (laughs) you did you right. did. Well, I've let myself I'm, down. Uh, sorry, sorry. Do you want to go back and not answer it? Do you want to just scrap this? I've let myself down. I'll we'll leave it on the editing room floor. No, no, we're leaving it, it all in. Happen. We're leaving it all in. All of it. All of it. All of it. It's necessary. <laughs> what is the most common negative feedback that you get about your podcast? There's so much background noise. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You're not paying for this. I don't care. <laughs> no, um, actually, no. The funny thing about it is a lot of people actually like that it's like they could they like the squeak of the chair. They like that Mochi will yell in the background. They like that there's like sounds from like outside and stuff like that. They say it's really like an authentic thing. Um, the most common thing I get is I want my kids to be able to listen to this and you cuss all the time. <laughs> really? And I just go, eh. Maybe it's not for your kids. I don't know. Wow. I was like, we, we live in a real world where, where shit happens. And, you know, I think I think my my choice of language is probably the least worryable thing you should worry about your kids. Like, maybe don't watch. Maybe maybe don't be afraid of them seeing, like, a boob or a penis every once in a while on a cinema instead of, like, someone putting a grenade in someone's mouth and blowing their head up on or whatever. You know what I mean? Or... Making a sitcom about cops who solve rape mur- who sol- solve rapes th- and sometimes just don't solve them. You know, maybe maybe that would be more along those things where it's like, yeah, maybe your six year old shouldn't see that first. Maybe you should like have discussions with them about that first before you worry about like, Juara said fuck four times. Like, fuck, 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 fuck. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just not as important. Um, it's just weird because I see people who like they'll they're very against um, there's so many things that I see that like people are very like worried about like their high school kids watching because like oh like uh, you know I don't like Lena Dunham I think she's she's a mess but um, I remember there was a there was a woman I knew and she was she was petrified of her, the idea of her daughter watching girls because her daughter was about to go off to college in New York and she's like, oh, I don't want her to think she should just go there and have sex. And I was like, you should be worried about your daughter not getting murdered. Like, that's more of a problem, I think. I would think your daughter's moving to Brooklyn. I don't know. Maybe that's more of an issue to me than the other aspect. Like, just talk to your kids about sex. That would probably be the better way to go. Like, I've had so many... Like, my painting style changed in a way. 
because of it because I was doing all these nudes and I was doing all these paintings and etc and they were these really beautiful like celebrated pieces and I had a lot of private collectors that were getting into it and but I couldn't have shows anywhere because nobody would let me show anything because they're like ah we don't know we want to show this for all ages and I was like kids don't fucking care about that <laughs> I was like ooh yeah papa please take me to the art show <laughs> they don't care about that they just don't. Like, we take a kid to an art show, like, I'm guilty of it as a child. Take a kid to an art show, like, they might actually enjoy what they see, but, like, they don't want to go. They want to, like, stay home and play video games and watch cartoons and play with their friends and shit like that. So, it's weird the things that people, like, want to heckle and, and uh, protect their kids from. But on the other aspect, it's like... It's, it's a super, we live in a super violent culture, and it's mostly because we're so stifled about just our own, our own bodies and just our own language. So, on that one, I really feel like I nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's, that's still baffling to me, though, that that is, like, the number one thing that people say about your podcast. Those are the things I get. Because, I mean, I've known you for, God, how long? And you don't... Over a decade. You... I have the mouth of a trucker. And I do not see you in my, my mind's eye that you swear gratuitously or I'm that it's grotesque like, or like anything like that. Horrible, like I say, like, random horrible things that are hilarious, in my opinion. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, like I saw... I've, I've been torturing my friends recently with this picture I found on the internet of a man who collected teeth. Oh. And he made a bodysuit out of them. Like the green man suit, but out of human teeth, and he wears it. And I was like, oh my god, that's horrible. You have to see this. Get that away from me. I was like, do you think he's like, do you think he's got like, do you think he's been bitten by like a lot of people if he moves the wrong way? Like, how does that work? It looks like chain metal. It looks like chain metal made out of human teeth. It's the weirdest, ugliest thing you've ever seen. Wow. It's horrible. He looks like a human geode. That's how I would describe it. But out of teeth. How do you even, like, does he glue them together? Is it sewn no. together? How I do you, have, I haven't looked how do you adhere it. them to one another? Looked, it's so horrifying that I have not looked into it. <sighs> but it. But it tickles me that it bothers people so much. See that? That that's that level. Mm. <laughs> that's good. Um, going so something that I've been noticing throughout is like do you feel an obligation to your audience for to produce like a particular kind of format or any kind of like content? I feel like sometimes I want to make sure that I at least go like 30 minutes. And sometimes that is very difficult. Mm. Because it's just not enough going on. You know, I'm, I do a lot of the same things every day. Like, I'm, I won't say that I'm meticulous, but like, I just, you know, I have a pattern. Everybody has a pattern. And yeah, no, that's hard sometimes. And like, Thankfully, like, my audience has even reached out to me and said, you don't have to apologize for stuff like that. Like, we're just happy you made something. Like, you don't have to. If it only goes 15 minutes, like, if you said all you need to say in 15 minutes, that's fine. So, I'm probably just really hard on myself as opposed to anyone. It's, it's like, weird 
stipulations you put on yourself as opposed to ones that other people are putting out towards you. So, thank you guys. I, I appreciate that. It's good to have some, it's good to have like a, a toe line every once in a while that goes like, yeah, get back here. And chomp, calm down. So, that's nice. Is there any comments or feedback that you have gotten that you've taken into account and changed? And you're like, you know what? I'm glad someone said that. Uh, I've made aside reply, from just the I've made reply videos before on occasion huh. where somebody said something and I've just gone like I've got so much to say in retort to either what I said or even to what they said that I've then made like an entire video um, just reacting and saying whatever it was either it being a uh, um I think the most, the one I remember the most was I made a joke about Georgia O'Keeffe painting vaginas and how if people didn't know, they should look it up so they could understand. And a friend of mine said, she didn't paint vaginas, she painted flowers. And I was like, I mean, yes and yes. <laughs> and so there was a discussion that came from that. I was like, yes and yes. I was like, I feel like you're right, but I'm also right on this and that's okay. I was like, we can we can both be right at the same time. Right. So it was just kind of funny. And I was like, I was. It was funny because it wasn't like a it wasn't a knock on Georgia O'Keeffe. Mm. I think I was expressing how envious I was of Georgia O'Keeffe for being her super true self and all her work, and how like it was hard to have that freedom because like you get in your own head, and I mean I've got stacks upon stacks upon stacks of paintings that other people never see. And, uh, you know, maybe my Patreon see them, but nobody else really sees them. Um, for commissions or otherwise. And so, to then have the freedom to just kind of make something so publicly and not worry about anything. Uh, that was probably the big thing about it. And I think it got misconstrued that I was making fun of Jordan. I was like, I'm not making, I'm actually very envious of Jordan. I feel like that's one of those things that they teach you in art school, though, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Because, like, that's one of the subtext things that they always kind of teach I always try you. to push through. It's like, you got to learn how to, like, go around the, the main issues and, like, you put them in so that people can go back for years and then go, oh, my God, I totally saw, <laughs> I saw baby Jesus. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not baby Jesus, no. Are you ever nervous at a show that somebody might deface the artwork? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many people who are just straight up assholes. They'll just write their name. So whoever was there. Has that happened to you before? Um, it's not happened to me, but I've been to places where it has happened to other artists. And so it's a fear. It's definitely a fear that lives in my mind. Somebody will just decide to do something. I've almost gotten in a fight with somebody once. I tried to do and that was interesting. Uh, we were all hanging out. We were at a big party. There was a piece that I had brought, a sketchbook, where I'd come to, I'd come and like put something together. And I was trying to show people because I was like super excited. I was like, oh man, if I correct this, this is really great. And the person grabbed like a marker, and they're like, oh, let me just fix that real quick. And like we almost blows. 
We almost came to Mm-mm. blows. I was Mm-mm. like, motherfucker, don't you dare. Like, these are my babies. Don't you dare. And it was just, uh, I mean, especially during the acrylic years. The acrylic years, um, I just, I had, like, these giant pieces. I was doing on, on wood blanks, uh, wood planks. And, um, so, yeah, I'd sketch them out first before I'd do them. Yeah. And I remember, like, they were trying to, like, they just tried to, like, draw on it. But that's like a different level of audacity. There's one thing trying to just write your name on it and, you know, just deface it in some way, but thinking like, oh, no, no, let me just show you. You just need to fix this one yeah, thing. Yeah. I know it's your, your work, work, You're but... doing so well, and that's cute. Ha-ha-ha. But... <laughs> oh, that's cute. But let me just fix let this me one fix thing this so that it's good. <laughs> oh, that... Yeah, and no, I was mad. I was real mad. I'm not sure I would be able to talk to that person ever again. Yeah, you live in your mind. It's true. It's true. That's one big difference between you and I. You're you're more, like, even keel, kind of, like, let go. I'm more, I, I hold on to that shit. <laughs> like, I guess the reason I don't hang on to it as much is because, like, other than, like, you and, like, a couple other people... Really fuck with people that much, anyways. So it's just kind of one of those things where it's like somebody does something stupid, and I'm just like, "You're an asshole." I'm not going to see you again for another five years, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I might when I see them, I might go, "Oh yeah, that's right. I don't like you." <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, yeah, it's just there. There's so many. Uh, there's so many people that just it doesn't matter. And I mean, back in the years when I was dealing with like, uh, I had like a, a heart murmur. I was dealing with all of that, like, I was referring to myself as, like, a temporary person while I was meeting people. And I guess that kind of gave me the ability to not take anything too seriously at that point. And I guess I've kind of stuck with it to some extent since then. Like, I'm good now. Uh, I've I've been good for, like, probably, I don't know, like, like seven years. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I just kind of let it go at some point. I was noticing it was hurting me more than it was helping me. So, not that I recommend that for everyone. Hold on to your vengeance. <laughs> let it fuel you. No, um, I don't know. I, I also had to learn how to, a friend of mine who, a very old, old man friend of mine, um, who I'm not really friends with anymore, uh, for the most part. Um, told me that I had to learn it's probably right before I met Alec but or before Alec and I started dating um, I was going to have to learn how to start painting from something other than like anger or sadness <laughs> I was going to have to start to learn how to be creative while I was happy and then with the idea of of then kicking kind of that side of me away and then learning how to be creative on the other spectrum. Being able to go back and forth is just too exhausting. Yeah. So there's a there's a quote I told my sister years ago when she said something to me about she wanted me to start doing like office building paintings, like very like very um what's the word? abstract paintings for office buildings 
and I, I remember looking at her in the face and going, creativity is something that people oftentimes in many cultures give towards like the gods. They go like, the gods are creative. The gods make this and they do that, they do this. And I was like, so on that spectrum, to someone who is not creative telling someone to be creative and make something is kind of like an ant yelling at the gods about the sky being blue and how it doesn't fix their doesn't work with their palette they're building in their in their in their home <laughs> you know what I mean it was just like so that's kind of how I looked at it I was like mm, you're you're wasting your energy in her case you're wasting your energy trying to get me to do something I know I'm not going to do because if it was just if honestly it was just about money I could easily just get a bunch of dumb commissions I don't want to do for a bunch of places but it just seems miserable like I've never met anybody who just does commission work who's happy like they think they're fulfilled but like what's what's 64 years of your life when you drop dead all of a sudden never done your own work you're just doing versions of what someone else has already done to take you 20 minutes to do it's like the plate it's like the spin art stuff like, yeah stupid <laughs> <laughs> like, my daughter's doing it I'm like well good for your daughter get that away from me but I don't want to do it good for your daughter I'm glad you, I'm glad your high schooler is a master at spin art that's right it's my new that's my new grudge it's been our people <laughs> taking you down in your Inktober Blue episode you talked about how you weren't going to waste your time with Instagram and Facebook because you feel like they've ruined the platform you're still on there though <laughs> but I don't really post that much though but what does the ideal platform for an artist look like? Because these things are not meant for, they're not... They're not made for us. They're not made for us. So there, what does it look like to you? There is this free... So, so I became friends with a bunch of artists that are super famous now. Because we joined these artist platforms. When MySpace came around, they started making all these artist MySpace things. They weren't on MySpace. They were like websites that were like MySpace. Mm. Um, and one was myartprojectformat.com. Very long <laughs> names. They weren't very well named. But um, yeah, those were kind of more the ones where like an artist would put out something, a bunch of artists, it would, a bunch of artists would be notified, they'd look at it, and then they'd, you know, they'd, they'd hit like, I like it, and then they'd write comments, and it was all that type of stuff. And it was... It was interesting. It didn't mean anything really, but it was it was really kind of funny. It's the joke that I make sometimes that I'm your favorite artist's favorite artist <laughs> that you don't know about. Um, I don't know. I look at like MySpace and I look at not MySpace. I look at Facebook and I look at Instagram, and like I've 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 said it like a bunch of times to people. I was like I've never seen anything that I've ever posted that has made that's even got a hundred likes ever. And I've seen people who have thousands of likes. And I'm like, I can't even fathom what that's like. Like, I just throw up and be in a corner somewhere. (laughs) Too much much stress now. Too many people are watching me. Um, But then, you know, you look at... You look at that, and then you look at, like, 
from from if if we were just going off of that, I wouldn't be any of the things that I actually am. I wouldn't have patrons. I wouldn't have articles that have been featured about me. I wouldn't have paintings that I've sold. I wouldn't have bands. I wouldn't have anything. You know, it's uh, it's more of a platform. I think for like uh, I even say it about YouTube. YouTube is a great place if you're like a cute little white girl who makes like anime inspired artwork like you'll do really well if you're anything else it doesn't really work a lot of those platforms like they don't do well for a lot of people in general they don't they just don't do well for for a lot of different types of people like if you don't fit a specific mold like they always talk about the algorithms and all that stuff but in actuality I think if you don't fit a certain mold of a person that they are trying to promote, you just don't get promoted, and it doesn't matter. Like, I've joked with my a friend of mine who I used to work with, uh, Josh. Josh is, like, Captain America-looking motherfucker. And I always joke with Josh. I was like, if I changed my profile to you, I bet you I'd have, like, a million <laughs> And he's like, I don't think it's like that. And I was like, mm, you're naive, Josh. You're very naive. <laughs> you're very naive. I was like, there's two types of people who do really well on these platforms, and they're like... They're like jacked white guys who do bro stuff, and then there's like very cute, wafy, like little white girls who, you know, make bad art. And they do really well. They just do. Then what is the platform that you want to see? Like, if you were to sit with a developer, or someone came to you and they were like, listen, we're going to make this platform, we want it to be for artists, what would be the most optimal or ideal, like what features do you want on it, what do you, what does that look like for you? I found one, but it doesn't have enough people in it. Okay. And that one's called Daisy. Daisy is made by, do you ever see Game of Thrones? No. No? Okay. There's a girl. I'm one of those people. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I've only watched like five episodes of it myself. Um, so there's a girl who's, she plays Arya Stark, I forget what her actual name, Maisie something, she's like this little, she's, she's an adult now, but she started off as a kid there, and she made one in England that is basically like a, it's almost like, um, artists can do collaborations together from all over the world on the platform and just make something, and then other artists see it and do all the stuff with it, and it, you know, it's it's in its own in its own uh, biodome. Mm -hmm. It works well. It doesn't work well outside of it at all. Um, so, if I were going to make something, I would make something that I would make something along the lines of like a threadless marketplace that also has a social networking aspect to it. Type of thing. Where like you can make stuff, you can make, pro I, the only thing I wouldn't do as far as Threadless does is you have to be voted to make a project with Threadless. Yeah. And I oftentimes think that's kind of trash because we all know how, we've, we've all seen, like I don't watch American Idol, but I am aware how American Idol works. Where if you get enough friends together, anybody can stay on that fucking show forever, no matter how... I think it's like Sanjaya type of thing, where it's like, you're not really good at this, but you got enough people that want to vote you into it. And so, 
there you go, you can manage to kind of spread out and do whatever. Um, so I wouldn't do that. I would make it so everybody could post anything. Everybody could make, make, could make merch if they wanted to. It would just go in the marketplace. We could do almost like the way MySpace did like a top eight thing where, you know, if anyone decides to put you in their little grouping or whatever, notification thing, then you could just make stuff and it would, it would, re it would actually just reach people. They choose to follow you. I think the biggest problem Instagram and a lot of those places and Facebook and stuff have is they decided a long time ago how many people you'd actually see that you follow. So you may say you may think you on on like an Instagram you follow like two thousand people, but in actuality, like they've given you twenty people. <laughs> so I think it would be better to just let people be flooded with all that stuff. Make it read like a newspaper, you know. Have it more. There's different sections. You can click on like a section and go like, cool musicians. I'd like to do stuff with music. Uh, I'd like to see a bunch of new stuff from musicians. I'd like to see you know. There's something something always weird about the idea. Like they make they put the biggest people who are already something as like the main people. So like there's always a worry that like I love Laura Zombie. She's super cool as an artist. Laura Zombie doesn't need to be on the front page of anything. Laura Zombie is her own fucking thing. You shouldn't I don't want to say like you shouldn't be because I know people wouldn't go on to stuff if they couldn't see their favorite artist on it. But there shouldn't be so much... You shouldn't be paying famous people to be on something so that people who are trying to come up don't really have a voice. Like, they're there, they're filling stuff. They're filling pages, and they're doing all these things, and they're making content, and they're liking, and they're sharing, and they're doing all these things, but, like, it doesn't really... It doesn't really do anything for those people. Like... The my the uh, my art space project I still don't remember what it's actually called, but uh, one of the good things I always liked about that place was if you were if you were an artist and you posted stuff and you made things if you went on to other people's pages and left a nice comment and liked things and had conversations with people they would then promote you on the site as like a person of interest for the day. And that's all it was. It wasn't forever. It was literally for the day. I was like, wow, congratulations. You are our favorited person of the day. And because you were one of those people, like they would, you would suddenly be, you know, exposed to all these other people who were making stuff. And that was, I don't know, it was interesting to me. I don't know that I can really come up with a good idea as far as the platform goes. I don't know that. I don't know that it's just not going to be like a copy of something else at this point because they've done so many things. But something better I mean there's got to be something better than what they're doing because they don't really have it's not it's not made specifically for that and I don't want it to be something where like you have to pay to be on it because there are group there are things they have uh, there's like artist storefront which is like kind of a social networking thing but you have to pay to be on that that uh, <laughs> you have to pay to be on that and <laughs> Mochi's making her noises in the bathtub again, I have to warn you guys. Um, you have to pay to be on that. And then it's basically <laughs> to sorry. impress galleries. <laughs> it's okay. That's what she does. She does it. She's 
If you she, hadn't warned me, it cameo. sounds like a squeaky wheel. Sounds like she's being attacked or something. <laughs> she's fine. She's literally just in the bathtub, rolling around, yelling that she wants somebody to come in there and play with her. <laughs> she is a weirdo. So, yeah. I guess that's my non-answer answer. Well, the first one was a non-answer, that's why I pressed you for the second one. So, yeah. you got the answer in there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in there. You're forced to find it yourself. The answer was inside you all along. It's the nothing. <laughs> you're not going to get that reference because you're your little baby. <laughs> oh my god, please don't. <laughs> you're little babies. Oh, I had nightmares about that I challenge that for... you to watch that movie. You don't even know what movie we're talking about. That's why it's funnier. Oh, terrifying. You have to watch The NeverEnding Story. Oh, God. If, if you were under the age of, I don't know, 25, don't watch it. <laughs> I want that to be in your, I want that to be in your dreams. I, I think I was three years old when I first watched that. I don't even know how old I was. I know I watched it on like a bootleg VHS. That's what I remember. No, it was, it was legitimately, I was too young to have been watching that and it was traumatized me for years. I remember years. thinking the princess looked weird and I couldn't figure out what about her specifically. <laughs> was it, was <laughs> it like the reddened eyes Maybe and the, the glossy? Maybe it was like her, her like goldfish shaped head. I don't know. Yeah. It was very strange. The fact that she always spoke in whispers. Mm. Yeah. That, I, I may have been into that actually. I think there's probably some ex-girlfriends. Well, again, what age were you watching this? I don't know. I had to be like 10 or 11, maybe. Okay. Because then they made like a second one and whatever, but like the second first one... one didn't make any sense. The first one was terrifying. Second one didn't make any sense. Wait, they're hollow. Why are they hollow? <laughs> what? <laughs> the hell does that mean? Darkness moves faster than light. Something, something. There's so many bad movies back then, too. Oh, like yeah. Crawl. Crawl's probably my favorite bad movie. Really? Because it's so bad. So ugly. Such an ugly movie. That stupid throwing star thing. <laughs> you know what? That was that was top of the game for uh I mean there's so many bad then. ones that were like that though. Like the original rollerball and all that stuff. They were all bad. James Conn. Nobody saw James Conn in that one. No one. No one. I'm sure I'm gonna get a letter about that. <laughs> A letter? James Conn. Is someone going to send you a letter, please? Like, in the mail? Maybe. James Conn was an icon at the time. It was a different time. You have to understand. And I was like, I feel like when we look back at some of these movies from the past, we'll see that, like, they're very mediocre kind of looking white guys that got got to be, like, the sex symbols and the heroes of those times. And there were other people, but they would not give them opportunities. Yeah. I'm not going to name any names, but I can think of, like, 20 off the top of my head right now. I like the Ghostbusters movies, but there's no reason why anyone on there was considered a sex symbol. (laughs) None at all. None at all. Maybe Sigourney Weaver. That's it. I'll give it to Sigourney Weaver. It's like, no, but they're an average-looking guy, but they're really cool. I was like, "Mm, no. 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 They told you who was attractive. You didn't decide that. It's true. Roll up your tiger beat and burn it. That's what I said. Once again, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, this is actually the last question I have for you. Ooh. All right. Um, you can't always be your sole inspiration by yourself. 
something that was said. Okay. Who or what is your biggest external inspiration? Hmm. It's probably a mashup of Frida Kahlo, uh, Jim Lee, David Mack, and uh, John Michelle Basquiat. Okay. All together. And a hodge, in a, in a homunculus, homunculus of, of artists. That's what it would be. Taking their arms and their heads and put them on to like a weird sculpture. No, they all just had their own kind of style um, that was really iconic to me at the time, growing up and coming together. I remember like being in South America, um, they had like the comic strips, and their comic strips were different from the ones you have here. So like they had like the Phantom, like the purple suit, but it was like a black and white comic strip that they had every week. and kind of stuff like that got me into comic books. And then years later, I actually started reading some of those comic books instead of just looking at the pictures. And that stuff kind of really got me, kind of got me started. Cause I would trace them and then I would draw them and then I would just kind of make a mess with them. And then it all kind of came together after that. I mean. You practice all these different types of things, not realizing you're practicing them because you're like, I want to draw these because I don't have a poster in my room that looks like blah, 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 so I'm going to draw my own version. You put it up and, you know, I'd, I'd like take like a newspaper, spread it out, grab a bunch of crayons, destroy the paper because it'd be way too hard on it. And then I, you know, hang it up in my, I tape it up with scotch tape in my room or whatever. And it's newspaper, so it would start to rot. And, you know, newspaper gets like that smell to it. So I ended up throwing it away. And yeah, it was all those little things. Like you just, the '80s were very interesting as far as just kind of, uh, I guess, iconography in a lot of ways. They had a lot of all the all the all the cartoons were basically made so they could sell toys. And so you took this very 2D thing and then gave someone a 3D toy. And then there was no, if there was, I didn't see it. There was no 2D art of those things. And so I'd be drawing my toys and doing all this stuff. And that's kind of where it came from. Like those, those are probably my, my big things. And then Frida was just so fearless and open, you know. Like she, she lived a very hard life. And the same thing with Basquiat. I didn't like Basquiat at first because people compared me to Basquiat. Probably more because I was an avid Latino painter more than it was our actual art style. But, um, I mean, still to this day, we don't really paint a lot. But, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I love their freedom. Their, their fearlessness has always inspired me. It was more kind of their attitudes more than their actual artwork. Because, like, we paint, but we don't paint similar at all, really. I don't think I, ha- I don't think there's an artist that I paint like. Uh, if I do, I'll probably change how I paint <laughs> to some extent. Um, so, yeah, those were, those were probably the artists that really grabbed me at the time. Um, they were just very interesting to me. I remember losing interest in a lot of different things growing up as a kid 
because the art style would change and it would be bad. I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with this now. So I was never really one of those. I was never like a diehard stand for anything on that. I was always kind of like, it's uh, it's that time in like the early 2000s when Rage Against Machine broke up and I found myself not wanting to listen to new music at all anymore. <laughs> so I started listening to like really, really old music and figuring out what I liked about that. So maybe that's an answer. I'm not sure. <laughs> so that one was what is your most important inspiration this no what what are your biggest inspirations this question is what is your most important inspiration hmm my most important inspiration it's kind of like the what's your favorite tattoo versus what's your most significant tattoo um I remember meeting Paul Pope who's a comic book artist at a, well, I was in art school, uh, at a comic shop. He was doing a signing, and Paul Pope is an interesting artist because Paul Pope basically just draws his own face in lots of different stuff, in lots of different ways. And, like, all his characters basically look like they, if, he draws them in different, different, different races and different genders, but they all look like they could be cousins in some way because they all have, like, they all kind of have his face a little bit. And uh, I remember when I met him and we were talking, um, he was telling me all this stuff about art and life. And I remember going like, yeah, okay, your artwork's kind of ugly, but all right, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I suddenly realized the lesson that I was learning from it. Went back to like the first artist that I ever kind of worked under, um, who was a professor when I was in middle school. I was a college professor in middle school, and they both kind of had the same idea of your style is your style when you're comfortable. And once you're comfortable, you can draw anything and everything because you're no longer you're no longer um, grading yourself on someone else's idea of what something's supposed to look like. So you may think you want to draw like Da Vinci. But if you start to draw similar to Da Vinci and then it ends up looking more like a Picasso, Picasso's not going to get mad about making himself look like Picasso. And I've tried to always kind of have that idea in my work. Where when I when I talk to like my students or other artists, I always try and point out that like you have to be hey Tom. You have to be comfortable with uh, with your work, and then it all kind of comes together. So I guess that's probably the most significant thing that I ever actually really got from it, is you have to be comfortable with what you, what you do. Like every hand's not gonna be perfect, but human hands aren't all perfect. Every face is not symmetrical, but human faces are not symmetrical. Your cell phone may make it look like your face is symmetrical, but your face is not symmetrical. And that's normal. I mean, an actual symmetrical face is kind of creepy when you actually see it um, in real life. So, yeah, I guess that's probably it. Just 
All right, so that's our show. Uh, I'll see you probably in about a month. I love all of you. Thank you for supporting our 90th episode. Wow. <laughs> it's just so cool. Uh, I can't wait to come up with some new stuff and show you guys and do all those things. You are amazing. Thank you. Painter out. Ciao.